Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Jay Anelli. That's not true. You're Chris. (laughs) I know I've been gone for a bunch of weeks, but I still know the difference between you and Jay. Are you sure? Yes. I I just had to do it after last week. Um, Jay Jay is not on this episode. If you hear something and think it's Jay, he's not here. Wait, what happened last week? What did I miss? (laughs) Uh, Ditch on all the drama. Uh, Jay, Jay is trying to impersonate me, and I'm trying to impersonate Jay. We're seeing uh, how many people can actually tell the difference between us, because it's not very many. Yeah, I mean, like, we got, we got some redundancies. Just, like, good commander deck building. Um, <laughs> wow, what a great segue to remind everyone that MTG CML D&D BBG is out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a little bit acronym. Uh, Awful. <laughs> it's got such a long name so great why did they Love do it. that uh it looks really fun though um i'm it really is really fun yeah i really want to play some of it i want to get some of the the pre-cons i've heard a lot of very fun things about the set uh also it's you know it's Baldur's gate it's very very cool yeah my my cursory look looks like uh they fixed some of the issues with the original commander legends which was a draft experience i was not terribly fond of um, but it, but it, but it seems like there are like actual ways to push through damage in end games uh, in in this set, and uh, I hope it plays better because that would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I played in a pre-release last week and it was a lot of fun. Um, I do regret the fact that I'm probably not going to get to do that again because most of my friends aren't really super into drafts. So, ah, well, but. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. So little, little subtle brag there. Having friends, I have friends. We just play Destiny too, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have a very small set of friends who still play Magic, so it's uh, it's rare for us to really meet up and play. But I think it's really cool. I thought my favorite thing I've seen come out of it was someone who made a uh, everything everywhere all at once themed deck where you play uh, Captain the Sissy Sissy Weatherlight Captain, the one who can fetch legendary cards from your library. Uh, with all of the backgrounds. So if you've seen the movie, you'd get the reference. But it was very good. I haven't seen the movie. Well, it's streaming. You can find it on video on demand now online. It is Yeah, as so of like good. two days ago. Uh, as of like five days ago, because this Whatever. is Monday. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, uh, also, uh, if, if folks didn't see on the internet, uh, we have a new playmat have a new yeah. playmat. We did a survey. I don't know, Chris, what happened with the survey. I was uh, very detached from all this. <laughs> I should do this announcement. So we ran a survey. We got some results. The survey was just trying to figure out things like uh, what kind of playmat you want. How many people want a playmat? Uh, how do these people, how much do the people care about like the delivery of the playmat or the price of it? Because turns out when you're ordering playmats there's a lot of factors to consider so like playmats tend to come in two different styles with either the stitched edges or with like a flat edge uh they tend to either be shipped very cheaply uh or shipped very expensively depending on who you go with so we wanted to to get a feel for what people were wanting from the playmat before we uh made commitments to it so that survey closed we have all the information from it we're going to make decisions. <laughs> Good old-fashioned market research. Good for us. 
Um, yeah, it's sweet as hell, actually. Um, I totally brain farting on the <laughs> artist. Andre Garcia. Andre Garcia, there we go. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, again, uh, I, I can remember magic cards, but I can't remember people's names. Uh, yeah, Andre Garcia did the piece. Uh, it came out so good. Um, this is our, our, our second play, Matt. We did one uh, very early uh, in the existence of the show. And so I'm um, very excited to, to get this one out there and uh, hope, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the whole plans for everything are yet. But, uh, you know, obviously when we figure everything out, uh, we will let folks know. We'll tweet about it. Uh, we will post about it on our Discord server where people will get first dibs. I think that's, like, the only thing we've decided is Discord always gets first dibs. Um, you can get on Discord by supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash cast. We're doing that pitch early. Um, <laughs> because it's relevant. Look at us go. Which means y'all are probably less likely to skip it. Um, should really do this at the beginning, mm -hmm. huh? <laughs> anyway, enough with announcements. Uh, we are heading into a very important era in Magic story. Uh, and that is a, uh, we learned, I was, I'm about to say we learned recently, but time is fake, and I don't know how recent it actually was. It was, I think, at the, the, uh, the announcement day where we got the product packaging for Dominaria United, uh, and it was announced that uh, DMU is going to be kicking off um, kind of a, a four-set arc thing. Uh, and and we're, we're there. And it's been a couple years uh, since uh, the, the Ravnica build-up to War of the Spark and, and that whole year of ending an arc. Uh, and so for folks that maybe have come into magic story in the last couple of years and don't know the whole jam or folks who maybe don't remember all the way back to, uh, the post, uh, shortly after post World of the spark era. Um, and, and with like a refresher this week, we are, we are doing a recap on, uh, Hey, what has happened in magic story? How did we get, uh, where we are now uh, as the kind of setup for where Dominaria United is going to pick up. It's a very exciting set. I'm really, I'm really excited for these stories. Um, yeah, we'll talk about them when they're out. But um, it's a cool set. Uh, and uh, so... Yeah. So I guess technically War of the Spark Forsaken happened after War of the Spark. Really, the only thing that's been referenced since then is that... Kaya didn't murder Liliana and knows that she's alive and has kept her identity a secret. Uh, that is your only relevant takeaway from that novel, uh, I think. Dovin is dead, but that's not relevant because he's dead. Um, if you if you just ignore the last like chapter of the first War of the Spark book, you wouldn't even know that Kaya was sent to kill Liliana. Yeah. So like. You could just assume that no one was sent to kill Liliana. <laughs> She's just in hiding. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, I think the only other relevant thing it sets up is the Wanderer's history with Tezzeret. But that becomes relevant later. So it doesn't even, it, it didn't even need to be set up there. So mm -hmm. like. So yeah, there, there, no real need to talk about War of the Spark Forsaken. And, um, and that was, that was more like an epilogue on War of the Spark. Um not necessarily a start of something new. Um, 
but because uh, the start of something new is Aldrain, uh, which uh, that story happened in um, Bewildered Quest, the novella by uh, Kate Elliott, um, who's done a, a couple things for magic and is wonderful. Um, this saw the quote-unquote return of Rowan and Will Kenrith. Uh, they technically premiered in Battlebond, uh, but Battlebond is set after Eldraine, so uh, Eldraine mostly takes place before their planeswalkers. Uh, they're just little tykes running around on Eldraine, um, and uh, they their dad gets turned into a deer uh, by Oko, who is a, a new villain introduced in the set. He's a shape-shifting fae who seeks to topple uh, establishments and... Uh, Reveal the hypocrisy of society. Um, good old Shakespearean fake king archetype. Uh, and uh, he has mind control sway over a cursed Garak, uh, who at this point is still suffering from the Chain Veil's curse. Um, shenanigans ensue. Uh, Garak is kind of wrested free from Ogo's mind control and starts to hunt him down and almost drowns. And Will saves him and... Garrick is deemed worthy by the Cauldron of Eternity, which fully heals him, curing of his curse. And he's like, hey, Will, you're a good kid. Uh, and Will's like, hey, thanks. Weird guy who's been trying to murder everyone this whole time. Um, and so they have this climactic battle with Oko. They save Alginus, sort of. He gets murdered, but then they save him. Because swords are magic sometimes and bring people back to life. Yay! Uh, Yay, fairy tales. Uh, um, <laughs> the the rage and confusion in uh, learning the truth of their birth, which is that their father, uh, Algernus Kenrith, uh, I'm sorry, High King Algernus Kenrith, was uh, so basically seduced and raped by a witch um, in order to produce children so that they could be sacrificed in a magical ritual um, for Kenrith revived them with a magic sword and then killed the witch and then married their stepmom. It's a whole thing. Uh, Rowan was pretty upset uh, about all that uh, and uh, claims their Rowan and Will share a joint spark and uh, Rowan zoops away into the blind eternities dragging Will with her. Garrick is like, ah, someone needs to watch over these knuckleheads and follows them and uh, we don't know where Elko went. And uh, this is uh, this is the explanation for why none of these characters were in War of the Spark. Because <laughs> they were off doing this thing. Yep. Uh, biggest thing I thought was important from this was Oko, who is a new character. Yeah, he's uh, introduced a new villain to Madrick. New, new villainous planeswalker. Well, I, I guess I guess as the person who worked on the set that had no actual public story, I guess I should be the one to explain Theros beyond that too, huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it has no novella, it has no web fiction, it had no comic, it had nothing except for like five paragraph essay. Yeah, it had a, a short story summary. Uh, we pick up with Elspeth in the underworld of Theros, the, the world of Greek heroes. Uh, she got murdered by Heliod. Um, in that underworld, Ashiok finds her. And Ashiok is like, hey, you have some hella trauma in that noggin of yours, and I'm going to use it to make some nightmares. Uh, and so um, they peer into Elspeth's mind and see things like Phyrexians and uh, more Phyrexians and uh, more Phyrexians, but also <laughs> Heliod. 
uh, and kind of pulling out of Elspeth's nightmare of getting murked by Heliod, uh, Ashiok pulls Kurusor, Heliod's uh, spear, but a dream version of it, corrupted by Ashiok's nightmare magic, and this is Shadow Spear, uh, a weapon that is now given to Elspeth. Uh, and Elspeth kind of fights her way through the underworld because uh, she learns that there is one exit uh, inside uh, Erebos' palace itself. And so uh, as she fights through the underworld, uh, tales of her fighting prowess and heroism resonate. Uh, and as um, people believe in her more and more and more, oh, she's wielding Crusoe. She has Heliod Spear. She's the real hero. She is the sun. Uh, the sun's champion with with the sun god's weapon, and uh, she is about. She makes it to to uh, to um, Erebos's uh, throne, uh, and is about to exit the portal. And Heliod shows up and is like, uh, 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 uh and they have a big fight. But uh, on Theros, uh, this is a plane where. Uh, belief is reality. And because so many people believed that Elspeth was wielding the true Carusor, um, her spear is becomes real, uh, or maintains its reality, and Heliod shatters. Um, and she defeats him in combat. And Erebos is like, I hate Heliod, and you just embarrassed him, and now I'm going to make him do a bunch of labors in the underworld as a prisoner. Uh, and I like this, so Elspeth, go on, get back to reality. You're 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 good. I like you. You you did me a solid, uh, and so Elspeth gets to walk free. The problem is uh, there is also the rise of Clothis, the goddess of fate, uh, and she thinks Theros is broken. Uh, so many threads of fate have become unraveled, and she sends out her fate weavers to fix uh, existence, basically, and uh, get Theros's destiny back in line. And a big part of that is that Elspeth should be dead, so she creates this planeswalker named Calix, uh, who hunts Elspeth down and uh, ascends as a planeswalker because he is destined to follow her. Uh, and then the, the big takeaway from this set is that Elspeth is alive again, and uh, Ashiok learns of Phyrexians and goes off to investigate. Yeah, Ashiok's doing stuff. Elspeth is also doing stuff. Um... But then we, we didn't get anything for Theros Beyond Death. It was very sad. But we did get a novella for Ikoria, Layer of Behemoths, which was one of my favorite sets of the past few years. Uh, so Ikoria starts out uh, with uh, this guy named Luca, who's like in love with this this woman who's going to be his wife. And it's all very sweet. And uh, he, he turns out to be the worst human being. He is the stinkiest worst person. Ikoria's uh, big thing is that there's something that mutates and changes the beasts on Ikoria, the monsters, the creatures. Humans seem unaffected by it, but humans can sort of form a sort of psychic bond and connection with creatures sometimes. But because the monsters of Ikoria, you know, lay waste to cities and kill people pretty often because they're big and dangerous, the humans don't tend to trust them and they don't trust the people who bond with them. Uh, Luca happens to accidentally bond with a flying tiger thing. And he's the kind of person who's, you know, hired to hunt monsters. So it kind of becomes a big problem. Uh, story kind of goes along. Don't want to get too much into detail. Go read the novella. Uh, Vivian Reed is there because, you know. Well, pause. <laughs> mm -hmm. The novella is The Sundered Bod by Django Wexler. Yes, that is important to share. <laughs> it was very good. So good. Uh, 
Anyways, story goes along. Vivian Reed's there because she's, you know, looking for something to do now that Nicole Bolas is gone. Uh, she's trying to find places where nature and civilization live in harmony. And boy, is that not a Coria. Not at all. Uh, but she gets yes. involved. <laughs> not yet. Um, she meets Luca. They kind of become friendly. But there's this, like, big thing called the Ozolith. And the Ozolith is like this giant crystal structure and something is like drawing the monsters to the Ozolith. Turns out there's this voice in the Ozolith that communes with Luca. And it sort of is very mysterious and kind of like you're not sure what it's up to, but it's commanding monsters to attack the cities. And then Luca kind of takes those reins and uses his power in the Ozolith to take control of all the monsters and launch like a big attack on the main city of Dranith. Uh, kills his girlfriend's awful father. It's a big deal. Uh, he becomes a uh, planeswalker at the end of it because he gets his butt beat and uh, planeswalks off to another plane where he can still control monsters with his mind. Uh, Narset was also here. Kinda. She she was like, she was seen in one of the scenes. She's present on the plane, but she didn't, she didn't really do anything. Uh, so the big takeaways from Akoria is just, you know, the introduction of Luca and who he is. He's this, like, kind of jerk. Uh, and then also there's some mysterious voice in the Ozolith that was up to something. And don't know who it was or what it was up to. But it sure was causing a big problem for civilization. Wonder wonder if that's connected to any other character we met recently. Well, we'll see. So following that, we end up on Zendikar, where uh, Nahiri is being uh, kind of fascist. And it's kind of <laughs> sad uh, for me, because I like Nahiri prior to this. Anyway, um, she wants Zendikar to return back to the old ways uh, before the Zendikar were entrapped, or the Eldrazi were entrapped, and when the McKinney Empire was a thing, and they had these super cool flying cities and whatnot. Uh, so she starts looking for the Lithoform core. Uh, Nissa helps her until she realizes what the core does, turns organic matter into stone and dust. She gets very upset and then stops stopping her after a, a huge confrontation. Uh, Jace is also here because he likes to know things. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, Jace kind of uh, tries to play Peacemaker at the end, but doesn't work because Nissa's super mad and Nahiri's not having it either. And uh, yeah, that, that's about it. But uh, yeah, have to know stuff. Always get in the way. <laughs> God, Jace yeah. tries so hard in the set to do the right thing, and he just screws up every time. It's really relatable. Yeah, it's a really his, good Jace story. His heart's in the right place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's trying to, like, bring Nyssa back into, like, the fold of the Gatewatch and being friends with everyone, and it just backfires completely because Jace also can't resist a mystery. And Nahiri and the Lithoform Core are a big mystery. Uh definitely think that there's something going on with the lithoform core and the lithoform engine in general and the the sky way claves. it like interacts the what the sky claves well no i'm thinking more about the way that this like rock turns organic matter into inorganic matter or at least into like stone and i'm wondering you know phyrexians <laughs> like i mean might have some interest in it we'll see speaking of phyrexians we did go to kaldheim after zendikar rising uh, Kaldheim was a really cool set and it was kind of the first big story moment for what we kind of can suspect this upcoming arc is going to focus on because Kaldheim was the reintroduction of the Phyrexians. Um, we start off with Kaldheim with 
Kaya, who we haven't seen since Forsaken, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> if you count that. And Kaya was hired by someone. I don't think we ever find out who hired Kaya. Mysteries. Nope, Mysteries. Kaya's back to not vetting her clients again. <laughs> so, like, we've got, like, the mystery of the Ozolith voice, and we have the mystery of now who hired Kaya. Uh, Kaya's been hired to hunt some sort of monster on Kaldheim, and uh, we learn pretty quickly that that monster is Vorinclex, the Praetor, the green Praetor from Phyrexia, or, excuse me, new Phyrexia, not old Phyrexia. Uh, we find that uh, she's hunting this Praetor, and she runs into uh, a couple of planeswalkers. She runs into Tybalt, again, who is there, being a nuisance, because that's Tybalt for you. He, uh, Tybalt has been uh, <coughs> seeded by Vorinclex. Uh, Vorinclex has put his seed in Tybalt. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, that's that. Hey, I mean, that's the wording. Um, Tybalt is pretty much led to believe that this is going to kill him or do something to him unless he does what Vorinclex tells him to do, which is to just cause chaos as a distraction. So Tybalt uh, opens up this like hole between all the different realms of Kaldheim to start a Doomscar, which is sort of like the, you know, Ragnarok equivalent. Uh, you also get to meet in Kaldheim Tyvar Kel, who is like the best. He's super he's, cool. He's best boy. He is best boy. He uh, is just a good guy and he helps Kaya fight Tybalt and save all of Kaldheim. Uh, we meet Nico Aris and Kaldheim. They're kind of involved in a side story. They are uh, they're they're doing stuff with the angels and the the Vikings and that's uh that's it they they don't really get involved in the main story do they until like uh, I think they show up at the very end yeah so Nico's story reconnects uh, because they basically ride coma uh, well drive coma down uh, into that final doomscar battle um, and then they uh, regroup with uh, Kaya and uh, Tyvar yeah. Uh, but, uh, while that's all happening, Vorinclex sneaks off to the world tree, to the base of the world tree, and, uh, steals some god juice for Elishnorn. We don't know why. That's another mystery. <laughs> Who hired Kaya, and, uh, what is, uh, Vorinclex doing with this, uh, well, it's like the Cosmos Elixir, but it's, it's god juice. It's juice for making gods. <sighs> Kaya, 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 cut your clients, dear. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so after that, we end up on, uh, oh god, what's the name of that plane? Arcavios. Yes, Arcavios. We did kind of gloss over the fact that Zendikar Rising was the, uh, the new mode of web fiction. Uh, so those stories were written by A.T. Greenblatt, and then Kaldheim uh, had stories written by Roy Graham, and also Jenna Helland. They kind of contributed to each other, so yeah, web fiction's back at this point super exciting um so yeah after that we end up on arcavius uh where this is time for the twins to grow and learn because kasmina has invited them to go to a fancy magic school that is definitely not hogwarts let it be known let it be very clear not hogwarts anyway um uh, liliana aka professor onyx is here teaching in hiding um, because she used to go here and she knows all about it, and now she's here to hopefully glean some magic about um, possibly resurrecting people who deserved better deaths or to not die at all, like Gideon. Um, so 
while she's here, she runs into the twins and uh, she helps them fight off uh, all sorts of baddies, mages and monsters. Uh, she doesn't really do much against the blood avatar, but you know, she gets teleported away. By <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> can't, can't do much about that, but uh, you know, she, she gives it, she gives it the old college try. Um, and Luca's here to uh, cause a distraction yet again. Um, uh, for <laughs> Luca was not there to cause a distraction. Luca was just there, and he decided to be a jerk. Luca is there, and it takes him about six seconds for him to get radicalized. <laughs> it's it's pretty ridiculous. Luca is the worst. <laughs> He's there. The locals hate him, and the Oric find him and recruit him in about ten minutes. I'm not even sure it took tw- 10 minutes, guys. Let's be honest. <laughs> if you sat Luca down in front of YouTube algorithm, he would be a far-right activist, like, Nazi in an hour. He is so easy to just make into the worst human being. Because he's already the worst human being. But anywho, um, Kazmina is preparing for something, trying to gather planeswalkers to adjust some inter- kind of interplanet... Interplanet... Yeah. No, I don't know why I'm trying to say interplanetary, but it's interplanetary threat. And uh, that's all we really get about that. Intergalactic planetary. <laughs> Multiversal. That's, that's a better word. Intergalactic. Are we not doing a Beastie Boys riff here? No. Oh, okay. oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I guess I'm, that's more I'm appropriate so... for Recoria anyway. I'm so mad I missed that joke, Lorelai. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, we don't, uh, we don't know what Kazmina's doing. Kazmina's just doing something she's got a bunch of kids planeswalkers don't really know we kind of drop off after that point but it's a mystery who knows but we do know that rowan is kind of powerful in her own right and uh she has managed to unlock some sort of power hidden deep within uh arcavios and uh for all the trouble that they go through we'll lose the leg um but he's able to uses magic to craft a frost leg, which is pretty darn cool, if you ask me. Um, Liliana comes out of hiding. She's no longer going by Professor Rona, uh, Professor Onyx. I don't know why I said Professor Rona, Rona or whatever I was going to say. And uh, she decides to not pursue the, the Gideon necromancy option, uh, which is showing some growth. So happy for her. And we'll see what happens next with that. Yeah, she... Um... Big takeaways from Strixhaven is that uh, Luca is just a villain wherever he goes. Uh, Kazmina's up to something weird. Don't know what she's doing, but we know she's up to something. Uh, Rowan and Will are super strong and powerful, and Will doesn't have a leg. Uh, And also, uh, Strixhaven is host to a library with books from all over the multiverse and some, like, tons of knowledge from everywhere. Uh, Ancient magic all sorts of stuff. Uh, and it also is, uh, you know, home to a bunch of elder dragons who are very, very smart. So could be, could be an important location in the future. I, uh, Oh, did we mention Strixhaven web fiction yet? Oh, Strixhaven web fiction. Uh, we mentioned that there's web fiction, but we didn't talk about it. Strixhaven was written by Adana Washington. Uh, there are five episodes. You can go read them on the website. I like that the header for this one is Innistrad Double Trouble. Uh, we have two sets on Innistrad, Midnight Hunt and Crimson Val. They're kind of all part of the same story. Um, 
the the big upshot, there is uh, once again planar trouble on Innistrad. Uh, Emrakul's sealed away in the moon, and the moon is acting wonky, and uh, nights are getting longer and longer and longer, and days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Uh, and this is a concern, because if the night takes over, people can't, like, grow food and live safely in towns, and the werewolves are empowered, and the vampires are empowered, and the zombies are empowered, and the geists are empowered. See, it's just a bad time. And so the humans are very interested in stopping this, um, but also a very important uh, person is interested in stopping this, and that is Arlen Cord, uh, self-appointed... Liaison's not the right word. She tries to fight for the good of both humanity and werewolves as a werewolf herself that used to be part of the Church of Avacyn. And uh, so she goes over to the Gatewatch headquarters in Ravnica and is like, yo, I could use some help. Gatewatch, please. We fought together during War of the Spark. You guys are helpful. And uh, Chandra, Kaya, and Teferi are there and they're like, yeah, sounds dope. We'll go. And uh, so this is kind of the first Gatewatch mission we've had, really, since uh, War of the Spark. Um, Jace tried to invoke a little bit of Gatewatch stuff in Zendikar Rising, and Nyssa kind of rebuffed him. And uh, yeah, so so we have Gatewatch action, and um, so they they meet a witch named Katilda, who has uh, is like, hey, you need to find this item called the Moon Silver Key and bring it back to me because I have the the Sun Gold Lock. Right? I think is what it's called. Something and like that. <laughs> together, we're gonna unlock the Celestis, which is this, like, gigantic orrery in the middle of the woods that is the location of all these, like, ancient um, uh, rituals. Uh, and so they go questing along, um, which leads them to Soren's doorstep, and he's very whiny and doesn't want to help anyone. And uh, they... Uh, eventually find silver key and bring it back and this ritual starts and then right as Katilda is about to finish it she gets murked by Olivia Voldiron who is like hey actually the moon silver key is going to be a wonderful addition to my wedding thanks for finding it for me and it's oh no what are we going to do and then Crimson Val starts the next set uh, and Olivia has resurrected Edgar Markov the man who invented vampirism on the plane uh, with the intent to uh, get him hella drunk on her blood so that he obeys her and then trick him into marrying her so that she can be the most powerful vampire on the plane and uh, rule over an eternal knight as its eternal queen. Which, honestly, as far as evil plans go, is a pretty good evil plan. There's not a lot that can go wrong here. Uh, except for the part where the gate watches here. <laughs> You know, every single wedding plan for, like, some sort of evil intent is always foiled by the question of, you know, speak now or forever, hold your peace. Uh -huh, I just feel basically. like they should cut that out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that line is a liability at this point. Agree. <laughs> if, I am, if I'm ever uh, administering a wedding, what is that called? When you, like, you do the wedding part. The Being an efficient? Yeah, if I'm ever officiating a wedding, uh, my mind immediately went to if I'm ever casting ceremony. Um, <laughs> which uh, I actually have done in a D&D campaign recently. Uh, but if I'm ever officiating a wedding, I'm just not going to ask people if they want to speak up. I'm just going to like, no one's going to interrupt that wedding. I'm sorry. Their officiant did a terrible job. 
and so so basically the long story short is they they foil Olivia's plans to recover the moon silver key do the ritual they set Innistrad's day and night cycle back to regularity um and uh uh Kaya is like hey by the way there's like a Phyrexian I don't know what those are but I fought one and Teferi is like oh that's very bad that they're like not on new Phyrexia uh we should super duper go meet Karn on Dominaria and talk about this um and Teferi uh has a very important personal thing happen in the side story where he meets Ren and uh helps her find Seven her next host I, uh, symbiont, I guess, is the the better word because uh, it's not a parasitic relationship. It is mutually beneficial. Uh, and um, Ren teaches Teferi a little bit about how to untangle his own time magic. Um, and they become friends and Teferi uh, leaves with the moon silver key because it's a very powerful magical artifact and he has some hope that it can help him fix Selfier. We the the big upshot is now the Gatewatch is now aware that Phyrexia is lurking in the shadows and making moves uh, off the plane for some kind of nefarious plot. Um, and then this small little personal Teferi would like to bring Zelfir back thing is is dropped. And obviously, I can't say anything about the future, but if that's going to happen, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Y'all will find out. Yeah, uh, the the story for Innistrad, both Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow, was written by K. R. Snow Rivera, who wrote some a short story also for Streets of New Capenna. And the short story that you are referencing that happens with Teferi and Midnight Hunt, uh, Tangles, was written by Shauna McGuire, nominated for a Hugo Award. Big deal. So very good stories. They're all available online. You should go read them. Uh huh. Um, I like them because they have Chandra in them. Oh, yeah, important upshot. Uh, Chandra hooks up with a Cathar. Who, oh, yeah. His name I'm just blanking on. Adrian. Or, oh, my God, yeah, Adeline. Adeline. <laughs> Adeline. Adeline. Yeah, she's, uh, she's yeah, a really fun great. card, too. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's great. Love her. Les- Lesbians. Yeah, we've, you know, just as a side note, after the events of War of the Spark Forsaken, people are like, oh, I can't believe they broke up Chandra and Nyssa and made Chandra straight. And I'm like, have y'all read any of the stories with Chandra since War of the Spark? Because uh, she's not straight. <laughs> not at all. I, not I say Lansbians, Chandra is like confirmed pansexual, but yeah, girls. I like when girls. Big fan of women. Uh, Yeah. A big fan of Chandra. Also, just big fan of these stories. They were some of my favorite web fiction we've had. Um, but then uh, after Innistrad, we kind of leave with Teferi telling Arlen, like, hey, look out for Phyrexians on Innistrad because, like, they're big and scary monsters. And I know there's a lot of them on Innistrad. You might get confused. But, like, look for the ones that are mostly metal. Those are the Phyrexians. Um, we then hop over to Kamigawa. And guess what? There's plot now. The plot is happening um kamigawa is all about phyrexians kind of uh so we we pop over to kamigawa we learn that uh the wanderer is the long lost emperor of kamigawa uh we also learn that kamigawa has had a missing emperor for like 10 years uh and we figure out it's the wanderer uh we know that tezzeret was involved in the wanderer's weird spark situation when she was like a small child um well not a small child she was like 12, she's like 10 14, or something yeah. 
She was like it a was, kid. It was like 10 years ago. She was mm. like 10 to 12, I forget. Somewhere in that range. Yeah. Uh, so she was young. Her spark gets messed up. She planes walks away and can't really, you know, make herself go anywhere or stay anywhere for very long. Uh, we pick up 10 years after that, and Tezra is back on Kamigawa with Jin Kataxius. Uh, so, yeah, there's a Praetor on Kamigawa, and it's not just like Vorinclex running around being a little monster. It's Jin Kataxius with plots happening. Um, we also, you know, meet Kaito Suzuki, who is incredible. <laughs> um, one of my favorite uh, characters that we've met in the past several years. Um, he is like old friends with the Wanderer. And uh, his planeswalker spark ignited too, and he is now uh, trying to find the Wanderer. He's on Kamigawa, and he finds out that Tezzeret's there, and when he tracks Tezzeret down, he finds Jin Kataxius. Turns out, uh, there's this Moonfolk who has been working on this thing called the Reality Chip, which is, like, not a thing you dip in salsa, um, but is, like, a computer chip that somehow merges, like, flesh and spirit it like makes Kami like supposed to like stabilize them in the mortal flesh realm instead of the spiritual realm or something of that sort. It works to stop the wanderer from planeswalking when she has it on. She's not being like bouncing all over the place. Uh, it also like enhances her in a lot of ways. It's this very weird technology and Jin Gataxius wants it. And we don't know why until we learn why, uh, <laughs> Kaito ends up sort of like, you know, Kaito and the Wanderer team up with Tamiyo, who is on Kamigawa, obviously, because, uh, you know, she lives there. And they stop Jin Kataxius and whatever he's doing, but uh, they run into a problem that the reality chip gets onto Tamiyo's hand, and then Tezzeret grabs Tamiyo and planes walks away with her and takes her to New Phyrexia, where we find out that the reality chip and that technology allows them to um, complete planeswalkers. Nope, do not like refusing to acknowledge that this is possible. Yeah, so in the past, a planeswalker couldn't be Phyrexianized, or, well, a Phyrexian could not be a planeswalker because the spark sort of resides on the soul, and Phyrexians lose their souls. The reality chip stops that from happening. So we get Tamiyo, who is uh, Phyrexianized and still a planeswalker. So it's, uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. Very bad. I'm uh, sure it's fine. No, I mean no, no. It, it's it's pretty darn bad. But uh, we finish up our recap. Wait, wait, wait! Did we plug oh. author of the Kamigawa oh. stories? <laughs> no, we keep skipping over that. The author of the Kamigawa stories uh, was Akemi Don Bowman, who is very, very good. The stories were a delight. Uh, there are four side stories, five main stories, uh, just like you know any other like thing we're getting except they also had all of these like saga side stories which were really cool so you can go read those uh, all about the history of kamigawa a lot of world building in this return to kamigawa very cool had has to catch up with the fact that it was 1200 years later and yeah but uh also we had a kemi on with her for an interview and go listen to that episode it was fun she's very nice and she's very very fun to talk with about those stories and that uh that does bring us to our most recent set the the most recent release aside from like Baldur's Gate which has no there is no lore for Baldur's Gate that is relevant to <laughs> to Magic it's the Gathering not a magic set not a magic set even though Magic the Gathering is the first of its four titles so that leaves us with New Capenna. Uh, 
Elspeth, home plane, shocked, surprise. Oh no. <laughs> um, apparently, Elspeth is from here, and there used to be Phyrexians here, and they were driven back by a bunch of angels who had made deals with demons who were surprisingly backstabbed by said demons who entrapped said angels in statues and were using their remains to create some sort of uh, substance. Let's not say illicit or illegal or anything like that, but a substance that were used to cure all sorts of ailments and increase abilities and all sorts of things. It was a wonder, wonder substance. I'm not going to say drugs. Small clarification. uh, The angels created the halo uh, to fight Phyrexia and then with the demons being like, hey, this substance is actually very useful. It would be a shame if we stopped getting access to it once we won this war and imprisoned the angels and have used them to create more Halo. Halo is just angel juice. It's just like angel juice concentrate. I mean, I'm not wrong. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, like, I, uh, until, until Jay comes and, and tells us otherwise, I, I, I'm willing to accept that. It's like angel essence. It's commonly imbibed as a liquid or uh, crushed and eaten as a crystal. Uh, you can also smoke it. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you got to so, squeeze the angels real hard to get it out, though. Anywho, so Elspeth is here and finds out about this, this history of... Um, Phyrexians being here from Johnny and decides to get any information she can about them, about the past residents of this plane driving off the Phyrexians so that she can use it to aid the Gatewatch in their, any future confrontations with them. And uh, she joins the Maestros to get information, ends up uh, spying on the Cabaretti so that she can get close to their source of Halo, uh, ends up, which leads to her... Um, running away with said source of Halo after the adversary's guys, who turns out to be uh, Obnixilis, or Mobnixilis, as I like to call them. Um, they try to crash the party and steal Giada, a.k.a. the source of uh, Halo, a.k.a. Baby Angel. Um, and they escape, and Vivian is with them, and they get re-caught by the Cabaretti, who walks into a trap, and they escape again. And eventually, it's Obnixilis versus Elspeth, but Elspeth is empowered by Giada at the very last second and and manages to drive him away. And this is all after they meet up with Urbrask, um, who has been brought to the plane by Tezzeret through the, uh, yeah, the planar bridge, which is now his arm or whatever. And... Orbrask is very hurt because it's hard to traverse planes, even if you are a, a praetor of Phyrexia. And uh, he's here to look for Elspeth because El- Elish Norn seems to be scared of her or or is worried about her at the very least. Um, and he also wants some Halo to possibly heal himself so that he can make the trip back. Oh no, the, the Halo hurts him. Halo Halo is like anti-Phyrexian juice. It's like the opposite of glistening oil, which now I want to see what happens if you mix Halo and glistening oil together. They fight, clearly. It explodes. If you, if you mix it like fast enough, does it form an emulsion? Can you make like a, a vinaigrette out of Halo and, and, and glistening oil? Ooh, 
tasty little salad dressing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I, I think that's gonna be more like an explosive uh, reaction. That while I would like to watch it, 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 I would need to be behind some kind of like very safe distance and maybe some like safety glass or something. I'm, I'm gonna drink the the Phyrexian Angel uh, salad dressing, and no one can stop me. All right. Um, <laughs> I thought it was coffee, but sure. No, the um, coffee is just glistening oil, and I am drinking that every day. Fair. I'm ready. No, Chris, stop it. <laughs> there, there's a couple of big things that happen in the story. Uh, it's all written by Elise Kova, who also wrote the side story that is about uh, Urabrask. Uh, so yeah, Urabrask is here. Uh, Urabrask is leading some kind of revolution on New Phyrexia against Elishnorn. Uh Think or I think he's like cool with the whole like completing people thing, but he's not cool with the whole like spreading it everywhere and dominating the multiverse. Uh, so he's he's working with some Murins to try and stop Elish Norn. Um, we also got the side story that is sort of associated with New Capenna that we covered like two weeks ago called Garden of Flesh, which is all about Elish Norn being terrified of uh, Elspeth. So. Yeah, uh, Ashiak shows up on New Phyrexia. Haha, tie in to Theros Beyond Death. Uh, and they're like, hey, I'm gonna, you've got a weird brain, and I'm gonna do some horror art with it, and makes Elishnorn terrified of Elspeth, and it's great. The story is so good. Uh, who wrote that? Uh, that story was written by, I believe, Laura Gray. So it was Laura Gray's first story for, for Magic the Gathering. Hopefully we'll get more. Technically, if we're going to mention that very quickly, last thing, Nope for a Stranger, the Pride Month story by Allison Lurz, Watley and Sahili, officially girlfriend. Yeah. Lemmy's uh, being. <laughs> Dinobots! Dinobots canon. Uh, yeah, we did a whole interview with Allison about that. Very good story. Don't know how much it's going to interact with like the main story of magic. But it's uh, important. It is important. Also, go listen to our interview episode with Allison. It is one of uh, my favorite episodes we have ever recorded. It was so much fun. But uh, that is that is all of the magic fiction that's been released yeah. since War of the Spark Forsaken. Um, we just covered all of it for you, some important takeaways and all of that. So uh, you'll be ready whenever we get to Dominari United, which is eventually... I think two months? I think it's like September. I think it comes out in September. Yeah, but we'll get like... The release date is September 9th, which means uh, previews and story will probably happen in August. Um, yeah. Because we, we have been getting Magic Story before preview start, uh, so that nothing gets spoiled by the cards themselves. And uh, that is a very welcome change. I've liked that a lot. Um, look at this key art with uh, Joda, Shana, and Karn. Look at them. Good beans. I'm uh I'm not looking at it because I'm uh not looking at uh wherever this image is. I don't see it. We're an audio only podcast. Uh well it's on the Dominara United product page because that's what I clicked on. Cause that's where I found the release date. Well, uh it's very exciting. I'm excited for Dominara Dominar United. It comes out like a few days before my birthday, so if you want to buy me a birthday gift, uh you can uh Totally spend money and donate it to uh, Trans Lifeline or uh, other, you know, charities. Don't don't buy me anything or give me gifts for my birthday. I hate it. Just, uh, yeah. But that's in September, so we'll talk about it then. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I don't I don't know about y'all, but there seem to be a few running themes in the sets in these past couple of years. Uh, it's probably nothing, though. That is my favorite flavor text, and I milk it for everything I possibly it's can. It's very good. More of that strange oil. Yeah, it's probably nothing. <laughs> Famous last oh. words before your entire plane gets corrupted by the ultimate evil. Yeah, you shouldn't ignore oil spills. It's a problem. Hot, <laughs> no. hot take. I like magic stuff. I'm just now imagining. I'm sorry. Like, you know how there's all the videos of people scrubbing oil off of, like, penguins and ducks now i'm just imagining they're doing that but instead of it being like an ad for like dial soap or whatever it's halo and little bottles that they're squirting out and scrubbing phyrexians (laughs) with (laughs) oh no i'm just imagining like one of the planeswalkers like to fairy with like a toothbrush holding a little phyrexian negator with a little a little bottle of halo and just like scrubbing it off Violet anxiously tries to bite him. <laughs> oh. Anyways, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of Phyrexians throughout the stories. They are definitely a major plot point. Uh, I would not ignore whatever was going on with the Ozolith or the Lithiform Core, because you never know when those are going to show up again. Uh, maybe they show up with this storyline. Maybe they show up after. You know, that's the nature of sort of like long-form fiction like this, is that Something can be brought up one year and then comes back to bite you in like four or five. And and, and if you want to maybe learn some sleuthing techniques from the Bolus arc, a lot of disparate things ended up coming together for a final plan. So who can really say what is going where besides me? Jay. <laughs> you know, that's fair. I deserve that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So we've got uh, we've got Dominari United, the Brothers War, then Lacrosse, and then Marathon, and I'm um, very excited for us to get through all this stuff. And so, uh, if if you haven't, um, if you haven't been uh, catching up with Magic Story, um, there's what two novellas. I think they're about four dollars each, but the rest is web fiction. I guess there's the Theros Beyond Death uh, summary. Um, this is all on the story section on uh, the main site, the main Magic site. Um, all the links are there, and so uh, it's a couple years of story, but it's a lot of good stuff. And uh, so, with uh, if if our summaries suffice and you feel comfortable with that, great. I'm glad that helped. Um, if you would like to go back and read it, you can go back and read it. And I think uh, that is about going to wrap it up because we don't got any more story to talk about. We're, we're not going to have any story to talk about for a little while. So we're uh, we're filling the space. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, I don't know what my final thought is. Oh, my final thought. Um, the American system for writing dates uh, is clearly superior. We write month and then day and then year. Well, most of the world writes day, month, year, which theoretically makes more sense. But I like the way America does it because it means that six nine, July or uh, June ninth, uh, six nine gets to be during Pride Month, and I think that's just great. <laughs> um, my final thought is uh, building Elminster since I opened a promo at the pre-release, and uh, I wish he fate sealed instead of just cried, so I could. And I wish he stole things. He could exile things off other people's decks so I could make fairies with their stuff. But that's just me. My uh, my final thought is uh, 
there's a new TFT set and I've been playing it for like two days straight. I should probably stop playing it. It's really fun. Uh, it's also very frustrating. It needs to be balanced. There's some very annoying broken stuff, but that's, you know, every online game. But uh, love TFT. Very fun game. There's absolutely no lore. I mean, there is kind of, but there's not really. There's like little cartoons about penguins. That's about it. What, like Club Penguin? Yeah, yeah. Club Penguin is actually the lore for TFT. <laughs> well, look, we plugged that at the beginning of the episode. Patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast. Head there. You get access to our Discord community where Vorthos is from around the world are having a ball. We've got more beast emotes now. So, you know, you can morb out with your pals on our Discord server um, if that's your thing. Uh, and it really should be because cool people more about with their friends and pals on the internet. And um, this is unfortunately not the best pitch for our uh, thing ever. Morbius did, in fact, flop a second. God, we we, we really memed. We me do we as in the the collective internet, uh, the the royal we, but for the internet where uh, royalty means nothing because we're a bunch of gremlins. Um, really memed Morbius so hard that uh, some rich Hollywood exec was like, let's put that movie back in theaters. And it made less than $85 per theater on that, on that Friday. That is real bad. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Anyway. Yeah. We have Morbius emotes. What uh, a Morbius emote. Depending on the, depending on the, the price of movies near you, you could probably spend less money on buying our play mat when it comes out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I and first dibs go to our our Discord members, which you can access through our Patreon. Yeah, a lot of good beans there. Uh, we we adore and thank all our patrons and uh, thank uh, all of you listeners out there uh, for helping the show run and uh, keeping this going. So thank you all. And uh, this has been the Vorthos Cast. You did do it right. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast. <laughs>